Thank you for listening to this week's message from Gateway City Church. For more information about Gateway City, check us out online at gatewaycitychurch.co. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning once again, and welcome to Gateway City Church. Happy Easter, everybody. Come on. Hey, this, this, is, a, this is not a monologue. This is a conversation. Happy Easter, everybody. Oh, if you're glad to be in church this morning, would you, would, you just, would you just put your hands together and just let Jesus know how excited you are to be in church? Absolutely. So glad you guys are here on Easter Sunday. I promise you I'm going to try my best to preach straight, strong, and not too long on Easter Sunday. Everybody's got a dinner to get to, and uh, I'm, no, I'm no different. I'm hungry already. I've uh, been here since 6 a.m. I'm hungry. And uh, the snacks we have in the back for our, for our dream team, they're, they're just not enough. And so I got to get some food after this. But I'm glad you guys are here. I love Easter. I love Easter because on Easter, uh, everybody comes to church on Easter. Everybody. The the in-laws, the outlaws, uh, everybody comes to church. And and listen, and and anything can happen on Easter. Anything or or, or nothing can happen on Easter. It just depends on what kind of church you're used to. Some of you are used to churches where, where, man, it's loud, it's charismatic. People are are all over the place. they're, They're being crazy. And if somebody runs the aisle, you know, runs around the church, it's not, not all that surprising to you. Others of you come from churches that maybe maybe a little bit more quiet, they're a little more reserved. You can't make a sound, let alone clap. And if somebody runs the aisle, somebody's going to take them out. And others of you, you, you may, maybe you're not used to church at all, and you're only here because somebody invited you. And if somebody ran the aisle, you're going to leave. And so, um, uh, but, uh, but, you know, but, but uh, listen, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your experience in church is, whether you were born on a church pew or a seat in church, you've been to church your whole life, or whether you've never been to church and this is your first time here, we just want you to know that we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here, and we're excited that you're here with us this morning celebrating Easter with us. We're glad you came. We're glad you came. And uh, today, today, really this whole week leading up to today, we, we, it's, it's, it's the commemoration of the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And today we celebrate the day that he defeated death and rose again on the third day overcoming sin and hell and the grave and everything that ever has held us back from becoming everything that God has ultimately created to be. And today we, we celebrate that. And as we, as we talk about that, I, I really today, I, I really what I want to do is I want to paint a picture for you of, of really just everything that led up to the, to, to the death of Jesus. Because really everything that took place leading up to his death, is, to me it's, it's really fascinating. You see, because... Because God's people, the Jewish people, they had, they had, been, they had been oppressed. They had been oppressed for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Held down from, from being really the people that they felt like God had called them to be. And, and, and they had been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years for, for the Messiah, for a Savior who they'd been hearing about and had been told that there's a Savior coming, He's going to deliver you and He's going to save you and He's going to set you free. And they, they'd been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years for this Savior to appear. And then Jesus comes onto the scene and, and their expectations of, of what Jesus was going to do were through the roof. They were, they were extremely high. And on this week called Holy Week, everything leading up to Easter begins on, on this Sunday, which was a week ago today, called Palm Sunday, and it begins Holy Week. 
And there's this scene that we read about in Scripture where Jesus comes riding into town and everybody's expectations of, of him are high. See, they believe that their Savior is going to come in and they believe that, that their Savior is going to be this, this military leader, this political figure that is, that is going to come in and overthrow this oppressive Roman government that's been holding, holding the Jewish people down and, and he's, he's going to wipe them all out and he's going to set his people up in authority to rule over everything. And so on this day, Palm Sunday, a week ago from today, Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey and people are, are laying down their coats and they're laying down palm leaves as Jesus rides in. I want to share with you from, from the scripture, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. And it says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and once you, and once you, uh, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went ahead and did as Jesus instructed them. Then they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees and spread them across the road. And the crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The word Hosanna, it means to, to save us now. You see, their expectations of Jesus were this military, this political figure that was going to come in and overthrow this oppressive Roman government and set his people up on high to rule and be an authority over everyone. That was their expectation of Jesus. And Jesus, he, he comes in riding on this cold and everybody's excited to see Jesus. They're looking forward to everything he's going to do. But as the week went on, they began, to, they began to realize that he wasn't going to do what they had expected him to do. See, they, they, they thought that Jesus was, was going to come in, fix all of their problems, solve all of their issues, set them up on high, and, they were, and, and life was going to be easy for them. Life was going to be comfortable for them. They didn't realize that that's not exactly why Jesus came. See, Jesus didn't come. He didn't come to build a kingdom, to build God's kingdom on this earth. He came to build God's kingdom and establish God's kingdom in their hearts. Jesus came to bring people peace. He came to bring people hope, a hope that goes beyond anything that you and I could ever have on our own. Jesus didn't come to, to set up a kingdom on this earth. He, he just came to, he came to change people's hearts. And it wasn't long after Jesus showed up, and as the week went on leading up to, to this day that we call Easter, people realized he's not going to do what we thought he was going to do. He, this, this isn't what we expected. And I don't know about you, but uh, expectations can mess you up. Expect, man, what you expect something to be can, man, it can, it can, it can, man, it can play tricks. It can get you in trouble. It can get you in a lot of trouble. Have you ever expected something to go one way? But then it goes another way. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, my 10-year-old son, Silas, uh, he's been playing baseball since he was four years old. Loves baseball. He's all about it. And, and, and as a dad, as he was preparing to play in his very first game at four years old in T-ball, you know, I, I, I was, man, I was encouraging him. I was speaking life over him. Silas, you're going to be amazing. You're going to, like, set records. You're going to, man, you're going to be the best baseball player the world's ever seen. You're going to help me retire. Just speaking life over my son. And I'm working with him. I'm practicing with him and doing everything I can do to help him be successful because, I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a good dad. And I want to help my kids be successful in things that they love and what they're passionate about. And so we're getting ready for the day of the first game. And mind you, he's four. Treating him like he's a college prospect by now. But I'm, I'm, I'm building him up. And we get ready for the first game. He's got his uniform on. He looks really cool. And he gets up to the plate for his first at bat. And, and it's tee ball, but they give you three pitches to hit before, you, before they put it on the tee. And truth be told, I was never going to let him put it on the tee because in baseball you get three swings and you're out. That's it. Go sit down. Listen, this is not a participation trophy life that we're living. I'm not trying to raise a snowflake child. I'm trying to let you know that, man, there's three strikes in baseball and, and there's a winner and there's a loser. Not everybody wins. I'm sorry. I keep scoring t-ball like every good parent should. My daughter played soccer on, on yesterday and there was a winner and there was a loser. And we were the losers. That's hard for me to admit, but it is. Can't lie in church. So I'm getting Silas ready for his baseball game, and he steps up to the plate, and, and, and the very first pitch that comes in, my boy, I mean, he just crushes it as much as a four-year-old can. He crushes it, and I, and I, I start, I mean, I get excited. I'm jumping up and down. I'm cheering. I'm yelling, and every, all the other parents are telling me to calm down, you know, because I'm that dad. And, and I, I'm excited to watch my boy, man, run the bases, and then it's like, and I'm, 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 man, I'm so excited until... Until I see my, my all-star, my record setter, my retirement plan, tear out of the batter's box, run into third base. Third base. Yeah. What is first about third, son? Nothing. Come on, man. You know what I mean? And I'm like, man, I realized really quickly that retirement was a long way off. And... But here's the deal. I mean, like, what I saw from my son in that first at bat is not at all what I expected to see. You ever wanted for, you ever waited for something for a long time? Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a place you've always wanted to go. There's a person you've always wanted to meet. And the moment you got there, the moment you met that person, you realized really quickly, this, this isn't living up to the hype. This isn't at all what I expected. This, I got excited for this. Left you thinking, is this it? And, and if you think that about the person that's sitting next to you, like don't make it awkward. Just keep your eyes focused straight ahead. Just have a real conversation with them after the service. Just be honest with them. It's not you, it's me. Knowing really that what that means is it, it's you. I mean, that just, but I mean, but we, we, we've all had those moments where, where we expected one thing and we got another. We've all had those moments where, you know, uh, where, we, where we thought it was going to turn out this way and it, and it turned out another way. We've all had those moments. We've all had those moments. And it's funny when I'm talking about my four-year-old son. Or it's funny when I make a joke about the person sitting next to you, but it's not so funny when we're talking about Jesus. And you, you give your life to Jesus. 
and he doesn't do what you thought he was going to do. And, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and, and, and you've given your life to Jesus before and, and, and nothing about your life has is, is really changed. Nothing about your life seems any different than it did whenever you gave your life to Jesus. And, and people have told you, man, Jesus is going to show up. He's going to make everything better. He's going he's to fix your problems. He's going to solve your issues. He's never going to give you more than you can bear. And truth be told, man, like a lot of people have actually decided to stop following Jesus based on that idea. That I give my life to Jesus and my life is all of a sudden going to be easy. My life is all of a sudden going to be problem free. But the truth is, that's not at all what scripture teaches us. Actually, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, And God is faithful. He will not let you, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And, if, and when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You see, oftentimes our expectation of Jesus is that he will step into a rough situation. And if we're being honest, it's a situation that really is our fault or it's, or it's the result of poor decisions that we've made. And we want Jesus to step in, perform some kind of a miracle, and just, just make it disappear. And many people have, have decided to, to stop following Jesus because that's what they expected Jesus to do. They expected Jesus to do something that he did not in turn come to do. And on this, this week leading up to Easter, that was everybody's expectation of Jesus. They expected him to do something amazing, especially his disciples. The 12 guys that followed Jesus knew him the best. They'd seen him do amazing things. Their expectations of Jesus were like ridiculously high. And if, and if there was ever a moment where Jesus were, was going to do something amazing, do something spectacular, if there was ever going to be a moment where Jesus was going to show off and show out and show up in the biggest way, man, this was his week. This is your week, Jesus. Man, Jesus, do something crazy this week. Do something amazing this week. Do a double backflip off the temple. And, and if the religious leaders, if they get mad, man, just strike one of them blind and make it rain frogs, Jesus. Do something amazing. Something crazy. But Jesus, he didn't do anything amazing. He didn't do anything spectacular. Instead, what he did was he allowed, he allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed himself to be, to be accused of crimes he didn't commit. He allowed himself to be, to be beaten and to be tortured instead of doing something amazing, instead of doing something spectacular and putting on a show and proving to everyone who he was. He let them nail him to a cross and we find Jesus dying. You see, this wasn't the week that he was to display his power. This was the week that he was to, to display his love. But his followers, they didn't understand it. They missed it because their expectations of what Jesus came to do were completely different than what Jesus actually came to do. Jesus didn't come to, 
to solve everyone's problems and to make everyone's life easy. You see, what Jesus came to do was he came to save your soul and everything after that. That's extra. That's extra. Jesus didn't come to to make life easy. And it wasn't what the disciples expected. It wasn't what they anticipated. It wasn't what they thought. It wasn't what they thought. See, they, they, they're, 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 they're looking. In fact, in fact whenever, whenever Jesus was on the cross, there was only one disciple that was actually close enough to hear the words that Jesus was speaking. And just before Jesus died, the, his disciple John was close enough to hear him scream out this, this, this phrase, It is finished! And then really at that, at the moment that Jesus died, his followers, his, they, they scattered. His disciples, they scattered. Because in their mind, it, it, it was finished. It was over. It was over. Everything that we'd been hoping for, everything that we'd been planning for, it, it, man, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, it, they're shattered, they're scattered, and everything that we'd been working to accomplish, it's done, and, 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 and they, they, they just left. Because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. It, wasn't, it, was, it didn't go down the way they expected. And if I'm going to be really honest, I, I can't really blame them. I can't really blame them. And, and, and the reason I can't blame them is because, is because they, were on, they, were on, they were on this side of the cross. They were on death's side of the cross. And whenever you're on that side of the cross, it's really easy. It's really easy to be discouraged. It's really easy to be defeated. It's really easy to feel beaten down, feel like everything's over. Because when you're on, when you're on this side of the cross before, before the tomb, before the resurrection, it's really easy to look at everything going on around you and, 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 and it feel broken. And maybe you walked in here today and everything, as you look at your life, everything feels a little bit out of place. Everything feels like it's not what you expected. Maybe you walked in here today and everything in your life feels a little bit and looks a little bit broken. Maybe you walked in here today and, and you feel discouraged. You feel confused about decisions that you need to make about your family or about your finances. Maybe you feel, maybe you feel dis- dis- discouraged. Maybe you feel defeated. Feeling like life hasn't worked out the way that you wanted it to work out. You feel like you're, you're, you're hopeless. You have no answers. And you feel like it, everything in your life is, is just over. It's done. There's no way out of this situation or this circumstance that I'm in. Well, I'm here to tell you today that, that this, listen, it's not over. It's not finished. It's not done. It's not over at all. This past Friday was what we call Good Friday. My kids were out of school. And really, as I was, I mean, it's Good Friday rolled around. I was thinking, that, have, you any, have you anybody ever thought about the term Good Friday? I mean, truth be told, that's a messed up term. Why, why is it that Christians call Good Friday Good Friday? I mean, it's the day that Jesus was beaten and tortured and crucified. It's crucifixion Friday, and we call it Good Friday. That's messed up. But as I thought about it, it's the reason, the reason that we call it Good Friday is because 
The reason that we can look at such an awful day and call it good is because whenever we approach Good Friday, we don't approach it with the Friday expectations of of crucifixion, of death and burial. Rather, we approach Friday with Sunday expectations of resurrection and of life and of forgiveness and of salvation. You see, whenever you, you can't allow yourself to get stuck on Friday, you can't allow yourself to have the perspective of, 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 the, of the cross from before resurrection. Well, that's why we can call something so a day that was happened so bad. That's why we can call it good, is because we're not stuck on Friday. We're looking ahead to Sunday and we're celebrating the fact that Jesus, he may have entered into the tomb, but he did not stay there. He got up out of it, and he's we're celebrating his life and the resurrection and the salvation and the hope that he brings. Whenever he defeated sin and death and the grave, you can't allow yourself to get stuck on Friday. You have to look ahead to Sunday and celebrate what's to come. You have to celebrate what's to come. And here's the deal. I, I, just, I would just challenge you. If, if, if you feel like today, if you walked in here today on Easter Sunday, and you feel discouraged, and you feel defeated. I want you to know that it's not over. I want you to know that you haven't, you haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. No situation is too far gone. I want, you to know that, I want you to know that there's nothing in your life that is too broken. If you give, I'm, I'm telling you, if you would just shift your perspective a little bit, your expectations of Jesus, you would recognize that he still has the ability to step into your life, save your soul, change your perspective and your expectation of who he is and who you can become through his power. And there is nothing in your life that is too broken that can't be mended. Whatever hurts you feel, they can be, hit, they can be healed. And anything that you feel like is dead, life can be breathed back into it if you just change your expectation of who Jesus is and who you can become through his power. It's not over. It's not done. It's not finished. So I just really just want to ask you guys the question is, is who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? What is, what is your perspective of who Jesus is? What are your expectations of, of Jesus? Do you simply just have an opinion of who Jesus is based on how you've heard other people describe him or define him? Is, is he an angry God? All religion, no relationship. Is he, is he more about what you do than, than who you are and loving you for where you are? Is he, is, is he the God that's just, just waiting, to, waiting for you to mess up so he can strike you down? If that's who Jesus is to you, if that's your perspective of Jesus, I want to let you know today that you don't know Jesus. You just know people's inaccurate description of who he is. You see, I, 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 don't, I actually don't believe, that, I don't believe that people actually reject Jesus. I actually believe that people reject Christians who, who portray Jesus in a really inaccurate way, which is sad. The same Jesus that saved, I never, want this, I never want to turn anybody off from the Savior who changed my life. I never want to turn anybody off by the way that I portray Jesus. That's not, that's not who Jesus is. Rather, Jesus is a, is a loving Savior. 
who died for you, he died for me, he died for all mankind. In his death, it wasn't an accident. His death was actually divine appointment. The Bible says in, in, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, it says that, but when the right time came, meaning that God had a time and an appointment from, from the beginning of all creation, he knew when he was going to send Jesus. At the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Jesus wasn't murdered. I hear that phrase, and Jesus was murdered from us. Jesus was not murdered. He gave up his life willingly so that you and I could be, could be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. He wasn't murdered. He gave his life willingly. And in John chapter 19, verse 30, it's this phrase that I mentioned earlier. Jesus says, it is finished. And then he bowed his head, and he released his spirit. No one took his life. He gave it up, and that statement that he made, it is finished, it actually comes from a Greek word, to telestai. And that word, literally translated from the Greek, it means, it means it is finished, it stands finished, and it will always be finished. And when he makes that statement, Jesus actually, he's not actually talking about, about the suffering that he had endured. He's making that statement to say it's complete. The assignment that I was sent to do, it is, it's complete. I've completed my assignment. Trade merchants in that same day would use that same phrase, that to telestai, they would use it, and, and they would mean it in, in, terms, of, in terms of their sales and, and their business. They would, they would use that phrase uh, in the sense of the debt is paid in full. See, whenever Jesus gave his life on the cross, he paid the debt for our failures, for our mistakes, for our sin in full. And he made a way for you and for me, for all of us to be accepted by a holy God and have a relationship with a holy God. That's who Jesus is. That's who he is. A Savior who loves you so much that he was willing to give up his life so that you in turn could have life. And not just in, in, in life abundant. A life, of, a life that's full of peace. A peace that no one can take away. And a life of hope. Hope to know that a better day is coming. Hope to know that a better future is possible. Hope to know that whatever life has looked like up to this point, it doesn't have to look like that moving forward. Even if your life has been great up to this point, it's nothing in comparison to what it can be whenever you have the hope of a Savior living inside of you. You haven't truly lived until you've given your life over to a Savior who can take it and make it more than you ever thought possible. He loved you that much. I actually don't think I actually really began to understand the love of God until I became a parent. I mean, I understood love when I got married because, you know, I love my wife. I love her, and I w I'd do anything to protect her. But, but my wife really doesn't need my protection, if you're going to be honest. She can stand on her own. In fact, whenever we were dating, uh, I took her to my hometown of Saluda, South Carolina. 
It's this small town in the middle of South Carolina that like nobody, don't even bother looking it up because the people from Saluda don't even know where it is. Seven miles from the middle of nowhere, that's where you go. That's, that's where Saluda is. I grew up on a 400-acre farm, middle of the country. And, and growing up in the middle of the country, you know, my dad and I, we like to collect firearms and, and we like to target shoot and all that kind of stuff. And, and so one weekend we took Suzanne, I took Suzanne to my hometown and, and, uh, and she wanted me to teach her how to shoot uh, a rifle. And so uh, I, man, I, I, was, I was thrilled. She'd never shot a gun before. I was, I was stoked, man, my, my girl wants to shoot. Let's go. And she'll pop a cap and pray later. It doesn't matter. I'm just, if that offends you, I'm sorry. I'm from the country. I'm sorry. Don't be, don't be offended by that. I'm sorry. But uh, I hadn't planned on saying that. Sometimes just things pop in your head. It just pops out your mouth. It's just what, it's just, it's just what happens sometimes. But, but I took her outside, and I gave her a 22 rifle, no scope, iron sights, taught her how to aim it, showed her how to, you know, everything, all the safety stuff, everything. And, and I, I go out, and I put a target out about 30 yards away, and, and, and she, she raises the rifle, and she lines it up. She pulls the trigger, and, to, like, to my surprise, I mean, de- I mean, first time she'd ever shot a gun, no, no, and dead center on the target, dead center. And, and I mean, and I, was, I was blown away. I was blown away. And she was excited, and, and the moment she pulled the trigger and hit the target, this is, this is, she, I hit it, I hit it, I hit it. And my dad and I, I mean, we hit the deck, and we're, you know, we're ducking. Keep an aim down range, you know. My girl, my girl, my girl doesn't need my protection. She's got it. She's got it. But my kids, my kids need my protection. I love my kids, and they need my protection, and I'm, I will do anything. I will do anything to protect my children. I told you that my little girl played soccer yesterday. She's four. Uh, she'll be five on Cinco de Mayo. And... Uh, and she was she started playing soccer for the first time this year, and 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 it's it's through the YMCA, and it's like it's a little co-ed soccer at this age, you know, and and so uh, and I'm excited about her playing soccer. I want her to go out there and be amazing and do amazing things, and and uh, and so, but 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 I but even though it's the Y, even though it's preschool soccer, I still got my eyes on my girl, and uh, and everything was fine, everything is fine until a little boy comes running up on my girl. And I go into dad mode, and, and I, I mean, I go into dad mode, and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, all right, I, I've got a choice to make in this moment. I can either scoop up, scoop up my baby girl and remove her from the situation, or I can just step in and remove the problem. And so I did what we dads call the scoop maneuver. These little boys come running up to my girl, and I just step in between him and my daughter, and I just scoop him up and drop him off on the side, and I make a clear path for my daughter to the goal. And I told the little boy, don't tell your daddy because he's not here and he's big. I'll do anything for my kids. In fact, if you, in fact, if you were to ask me right now, Will, would you, do you love your kids enough to give your life for them? Absolutely, no questions asked. Have my life and save my kids. Absolutely. Love my children. I will do anything to protect them. I will lay down my life to protect my children. I believe any good parent in this room would say the same. But God loved you so much that he was willing to give up his son to save you. Now, I love you. But if it came down to just you and my kids, I mean, I love you. 
And I'll help you plan your funeral. I mean, I mean, I will. I'll, I'll, man, I'll, I'll love you. I'll pray for you. I'll baptize you. Whatever you need, tell Jesus. But, but tell Jesus, I said, hey, you know, I'll be there. I'll be there at some point. Love my kids. I will do anything to protect my kids. I'll, I'll do anything to, to, to protect my children and save their life. But God loved you so much that he was willing to give up his own son so that you in turn could have life. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus died so that you could have life. We were given life because of his death. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. It says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. This passage of scripture, it teaches us that God raised us just as he did with Jesus from death to life. Jesus did not come to fix all of your problems. He didn't come to make life easy. He didn't come to pour riches on you or to put a money tree in your backyard. That'd be cool though. He didn't come to give you a car and fulfill every wish that you have on your Amazon wish list. That's not why Jesus came. It's, it's, it's actually better than that. Jesus didn't come to make you better. He came to make you alive. You see, because of sin, we are separated from our Heavenly Father. The Bible tells us that because of our sin, we're actually in a state of death. And whenever Jesus gave his life in place of you and I, Whenever we make the decision to place our faith in Jesus, we are actually risen from that state of death and we're actually given life that goes beyond anything that we could ever know, goes beyond anything that we could ever have on our own. Jesus came to save your soul, to give you life, a life of hope and a life of peace that goes beyond anything that you could possess in and of your own strength. See, Jesus didn't come to make you better. He came to make you alive. You can't make, listen, there's no better version of dead. I mean, if you were to ask a dead person, and if they were to tell you, and, if, and I stuck around to hear it, a dead person would not tell you, could you make me better? They would tell you, they would ask you, can, can you make me alive? Jesus came to give you life came to give you life. He came to give you a, a life that goes beyond anything that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Jesus stepped out of heaven for you and for me. It was about, it was about making us alive. Verse 6 teaches us that through his death and through his resurrection, because of his work, we were raised to life, and the broken relationship between us and God was completely restored. Jesus had to sacrifice his, le- his life to defeat the power of sin and death over us. Give us a life full of peace and a life of hope. A peace, an internal peace that no one or no thing can ever take from you. A hope that no one or no thing can ever take of you. Not, listen, and a life of joy. Not, not a life of happiness. 
Now, I mean, I know, I know everybody wants to be happy, but here's the deal. Happiness is not, a, not all that important to me because happiness is a, a, it's a symptom of our circumstances. Happiness comes and goes. Are you happy today? Hold on. Tomorrow might be rough and you might not be so happy. Are you sad today? Hold on. Tomorrow's coming. It may change. You see, happiness, it's, it's a symptom of our circumstances, but, but joy through the hope that we have in Christ, that's a product of your perspective. And if your perspective comes from a person rather than some position in life, that, that's, a, that's a hope that nobody can ever take away, no situation can ever, can ever make it waver. Whenever your hope comes and originates out of a, out of a relationship with Jesus, Your world can come crashing down all around you, but you will not be crushed because your hope is not in the world. Rather, your hope is in the one who created and made the world. King David in the Old Testament in Psalm 121, he says, you know, does my help come from the mountains? No, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You can live a life that is secure. You can live a life that is steadfast, a life that is consistent and constant, unwavering and unshaking through faith in Christ, through the hope you have in Him because your hope isn't founded in your situations. It's not founded in your circumstances. It's founded on your faith in who Jesus is. So who is Jesus to you today? What's your perspective on who he is? What are your expectations? Are you looking for a God that will simply grant you all the wishes like some kind of, listen, it's not a whole new world like it is in Aladdin. A whole new world. You know, I, now I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. I went to bed last night watching Beauty and the Beast. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm telling you, I got a little four-year-old girl. We watch them all. But it's, who is Jesus to you? Listen, if you, if you make the decision to follow Jesus and your life gets better, I would be willing to say it has nothing to do with Jesus. It has, it has nothing to do with Jesus changing your situation. It has everything to do with Jesus changing you, changing the way you see your life, changing the way you see your relationships, changing the way you see yourself. And whenever Jesus changes you, he changes your perspective. And you're able to walk through the most difficult circumstances that, that anybody could ever face. Not because Jesus made it easier, but because he's given you a different perspective. And he's given, you a, he's given you a different set of expectations of who you can be through the relationship and through the power that lives inside of you now that you have a relationship with Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? What do you expect out of Jesus? He hasn't necessarily come to make everything better. It's actually better than that. He's come to make you alive today. So today, today, through giving your life to Jesus, placing your faith in him, we will not only celebrate the fact that he has been raised to life, we will celebrate the fact that you've been raised to life as well. And you can actually step foot into a brand new life today, a life that you never knew you could have because of the power of the living God living inside of you, giving you hope, giving you purpose, enabling you to become and be everything that God has ever created, you, everything he's ever intended for you to become. Today I want to pray for you as we close and, and we get ready for we get ready for Easter lunch. Let's be honest, that's what everybody's thinking about right now. It's been on my mind since I started preaching. But I want to pray for you today. And for those of you that are in the room, and maybe you've maybe you've 
Maybe you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe for you today, if you're, if you're here today and, 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 and you, you, you have a relationship with Jesus, but it wasn't, it hasn't, it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. It hasn't, it hasn't been what you expected it to be. And maybe today you just need, you just need to come back to Jesus and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm coming back. I entered into this relationship to begin with with, with a whole different perspective and, and the wrong point of view and the wrong expectations. But today I recognize that you didn't, you didn't necessarily come to make everything better. You just, you just came to make me alive and give me life so that I could in turn, I could in turn, I could, I could make my life something that I, I never could before through your power living inside of me. And so right now, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm just going to pray. We're going to close. And if you're here today, and that's you, if, you just, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, and you want to make that decision today, say, Will, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be made alive. I want to step into a life of, of, of hope and a life of peace. Or if you're here today and you simply just say, hey, listen, I want to come back to Jesus. I, I, I gave my life to him a while ago, and then I, 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 it wasn't what I thought, and so I walked away. If that's, if that's you, if you just want to just, just give your life to Jesus, come back to Jesus, whatever it is, everybody, everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed, nobody looking around. I wonder if you just let me know just by raising your hand. You can just slip it up ever so slightly, ever so slightly. Yeah. 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 Okay, you can put your hand down. I see it. I see it. If that's you, I just want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. You know, and, and everybody in here, you know, just so that everybody knows, everybody that made the decision, so they know that they're not alone. Can we just pray it together? Just everybody just, just pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son to die for me. He gave his life so that I could have life. Make me new. Give me peace. Give me hope. Thank you for saving me. Pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we put our hands together for everybody that made a decision to follow Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Happy Easter, everyone.